Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. book of Exodus, the 15th chapter. Exodus chapter 15. Brother Joe, I'm going to throw you a curveball. The title of my message this morning is The Lord That Heals. The Lord That Heals. Amen. Pastor, you do a lot of preaching on healing and faith, don't you? Yeah, because there's a lot of sickness in the church. And I think that's the medicine for the day. Amen? I mean, what do you preach when there's sickness in the church? You preach healing. Amen? In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do what is right in His sight, and will listen to and obey his commandments and keep all his statutes. In other words, be a doer of the word. I will put or allow none of these diseases upon you which I brought or allowed upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. You know, it was never God's intention for sickness and disease to be on the earth at all. Our forefather Adam, the progenitor of the human race, the one that represented us all, disobeyed God and sinned against him, and as a result, a curse came upon the earth. And so the curse is Adam's fault. Sickness and disease are part of the curse. So if we need to place blame on somebody for sickness, disease, or even death, we have to go back to the garden. Put the blame where it belongs, and that's on Adam. I know we like to blame God for things sometimes, but God doesn't do anything evil. He's not in hurricanes and earthquakes and plagues and diseases. He's not any part of that. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life, and that more abundantly. So... The devil is the killer, the stealer, the destroyer. God is the blesser. Amen? So, uh, I mean, Adam had one commandment to obey, and he couldn't do it. I know Eve had something to do with it, but Adam is the one that was responsible. And we have to understand that God never puts sickness or disease on anyone. No more than any parent here would put a sickness or disease on their child. Amen? Amen. So God doesn't put that on, but he does, however, allow sickness and disease because that's part of the curse that Adam brought upon the earth. Sickness and disease. So when man fails to obey God's commandments, it allows the devil to execute the curse in their life. And we have to understand, you know, uh, Adam had one commandment. That's all we have, one commandment. And that's that we're to walk in love. Amen? Amen? 
That's our only commandment because that commandment, walking in love, the New Testament commandment, uh, fulfills all the law. Any law you can think of, love supersedes it. If you walk in love, you won't disobey the laws. You won't sin against your neighbor. You won't covet your neighbor's wife or his goods. You won't steal. You won't kill. You won't do anything that the Ten Commandments forbids if you're walking in love. So love overshadows all the law. Just concentrate on your love walk and all the law will be fulfilled. Amen? In Deuteronomy chapter 27, the Lord lists 21 blessings for Israel and for us. And he says these blessings will come upon, not only come upon, but they will overtake you if what? If you're obedient to my commandments. If you obey my laws, these blessings will overtake you. You can't outrun them. When you're walking in love and walking in obedience to God, the blessings will come upon you and overtake you. They'll be in front of you and behind you. And you can't catch up with them. But it's a tall order. It's not easy to walk in love, is it? But one thing about God, he, also, he always tells us the conditions that must be met in order to enjoy the blessings. God doesn't just hand out blessings. You know, most people have a wrong concept about God. They put him in the same class as Santa Claus. But if you think about it in a minute, even Santa Claus requires obedience. The, the naughty kids get coal in their stockings. It's only the obedient good children that get a present or a gift under the tree. But what we have to understand is that every blessing, and I know some of you are going to disagree with this, but every blessing, every promise in the Word of God has an if attached to it. Every one. And there are like 1,600 ifs in the Bible. 1,600 ifs. And most of them express the conditions that must, must be met for a blessing or to come under the curse and allow Satan to work the curse in your life. Some people believe that salvation is free with no strings attached. But that's only partially true. If thou shalt believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and that God raised him from the dead... Thou shalt be saved. If is a condition, and then the rest that follows is the blessing. So salvation isn't free. It's made available to us for free, but there's a condition attached to it. Just like all the promises. I mentioned that one. That's the primary promise. That's the primary blessing for, for us is salvation. That's what cost the most. Just like we sung about this morning. It was at the cross that that price was paid. So we have to understand that the conditions have to be met in order for God to bless men or to allow the devil to work the curse in their lives. Some people believe that uh, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Oh, God just loves us too much to send us to hell. Well, I say like hell he won't because he will allow you to go to hell. But you're the one that sends yourself there because you reject his only plan for salvation. His only way to be saved is his son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. 
And if you reject that, you will go to hell when you die. Or at the rapture of the church. God allows it. Why? Because you have a free will and he allows you to choose your destiny. He allows you to choose your eternal destination. And there's enough word that's been preached in this world, in this country, in this city, in this church. There's been enough word preached that if anybody goes to hell out of this church, this country, it, they did it by choice. Salvation is available. But you won't find one promise or one covenant blessing in all the Bible that is not conditional and does not have an if attached to it. Go ahead and look. I'll wait. Okay, that's long enough. You won't find it. Trust me. I looked. It's not there. God will never bless someone who is in rebellion to his word or to his commandments. If we understand the concept, it will answer a lot of questions for us concerning why things happen. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Uh, why is so-and-so blessed more than me? Why is so-and-so always going through something and so-and-so ain't? All these questions could be answered if you just understand this concept. Every blessing and every curse in the Bible is based on obedience or disobedience. And, uh, but God always makes the conditions as well as the blessing and cursings so plain that anyone can understand them and anyone can choose to obey and be blessed or disobey and fall under the curse. Everyone. The condition that must be met for continued blessings is continued obedience. If you want to live in a life of continual blessings, then you have to live a life of continual obedience. Same is true for disobedience. Uh, disobedience, uh, continual disobedience will cause continual working of the curse in your life in various different degrees. Sickness and disease is one of the primary workings of the curse, but not all of them. There's lack and poverty and all kinds of things that the devil can work against you when you open the door to it through disobedience. If we fail to do the will of God and give ourselves to backsliding and rebellion and disobedience, Deuteronomy 28.63 tells us plainly that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, he rejoices to do that for us. He likes to do us good. He likes to multiply us. So the Lord will rejoice to bring ruin upon you and to destroy you, and you shall be plucked from the land in which you go to possess. Obedience, he does you good and multiplies you. Disobedience, and uh, he will allow ruin to come upon you and destroy you, and you'll be plucked from the land into which you go in to possess. How many knows our promised land is the the is life in the Holy Ghost in the, modern, in the New Testament. It's, it's uh, living with the promises of God. But he said if you're disobedient, he'll pluck you out of the land of promise. I mean, you're, you're sick and you're believing God for healing, but you're disobedient, he'll pluck you out of the land of healing. 
you are lacking in finances, you can't make the ends meet at the end of the month, and you're believing God for finances, but you're disobedient in your love walk, he will pluck you from the land of prosperity. He'll pluck you out of that land because of disobedience. I know people don't like this kind of preaching because it puts the blame where it belongs, on you and me. Most people like no-fault religion. If God blesses me, if he doesn't bless me, it's no fault of mine. But it is. You control your destiny. That's the whole purpose of, of having a will. But the conditions must be met if you want to be blessed. So God dispenses rewards and punishment equally across the board because he's no, he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't bless, bless one person for obedience and not the other for the same obedience. He blesses right across the board. Same thing with allowing the curse to be worked in our life. If you're disobedient and your neighbor is disobedient, you're both going to have the curse operating in your life equally. God is no respecter of persons. Paul said in Romans eleven twenty one because I know some of us are thinking that, well, this is Old Testament stuff and we're beyond that. But Paul said in Romans eleven twenty one, if God spared not the natural branches, which is Israel, take heed lest he also spare not thee. So he uses this example in the New Testament to warn Christians that if God didn't spare Israel from cutting them off when they sin, he would not spare others for the same reason. See, people blame God for a lot of bad things that happen in the earth. And I, I know they blame him for sickness, disease, and death. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow that to happen? Why, why is God making me go through this? And why do I have to do this or that? And God has nothing to do with it. It's all up to you. Uh, the things that we go through are part of the curse. And uh, if Adam would have obeyed God, there would have never been any sin or curse on the earth ever. Not in the universe, not anywhere. No sin, no curse anywhere. That was not God's will. Adam brought that on. All of God's covenants are based on this principle of right and wrong, sin and righteousness. Now listen to this part carefully. The government of God and the government of man is carefully outlined in the Bible. And it teaches us plainly that obedience is required of the leaders as well as the constituents or the followers. Obedience goes all the way up and all the way down the ladder. It's required of everyone. If you want God's continued grace and favor with those that are in charge of our government that we supposedly chose and voted in, then they're going to have to be obedient to God's law. And we're not experiencing that in this country right now. It's quite the contrary. And that's one of the reasons that we are required to pray for our leaders and pray for our government. Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he specifies, for kings and, or presidents, 
or country leaders or mayors or governors, for kings and all of those in authority. Why? So we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So is it possible the reason that we're going through some of the things that we're going through in this country is because we're not praying for our leaders enough? That we should maybe kick it up a notch for our leaders? See, when there's sin and disobedience against God's laws or man's laws, either way, there must be consequences or there will be no respect for the leaders or the government. No, there has to be a consequence for breaking the law or there'll be no respect for the government or its leaders. It's the same for a family as well. Disobedient children who are not disciplined or have no consequences for their disobedience will have no respect for their parents. That's why they give them dirty looks and shout at them. And I've even seen them kick a parent in the shin. And it's because there's no consequence for their disobedience. And if there's no confidence for their dis disobedience, then they will not respect you and it will lead to more disobedience. It's, it works for a country, a family, an organization. It doesn't make any difference. If you have a rule, but you don't enforce it with consequences, that rule will never be followed. And that's one of the reasons that crime is running rampant in our country right now. There's no consequence for it. Therefore, there's no respect for law enforcement. I mean, we respect our law enforcement. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but uh, the general consensus is that there is no respect in this country for law enforcement. There's no respect for our leadership or, for that matter, our government. And it leads to more disobedience. Catch and release isn't just for illegal immigrants. It seems to be the same for criminals of all types. And I use as an example the terrorist that drove his car through that Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Anyway, there's no reason that that criminal should have been on the street to begin with because the handwriting was on the wall. He was arrested and he had a record as long as my arm and a, a, some liberal judge releases him with a thousand dollars bail when he should have put him under the jail. And as a result of that leniency and no consequence for his actions and the things that he broke the law about, he was allowed to do what he did he should have never been there he should have been in jail and now I think he's got a five million dollar bond on him and even I know that's a pretty high bond but he should have been remanded there shouldn't have even been an offer of bond because there is rich people in this world that just might have a use for him and get him out. We seen it last year with the riots. They went to jail that night and the next morning they were being released. Some of our so-called leaders provided the bail for him. No consequence. More crime. 
See, crime increases when criminals know, A, they can get away with it, or B, even if they get caught, there's no consequence for it. That increases crime. Defund the police. The less police, the more crime. Look at the states where they did it. I'm not even going to mention any because I don't want to offend somebody out there in social media land. But look at the, the states where they're practicing that. They've reduced the budget for police. Our, I can say this because I live here, but our great city of Louisville is an example of increased crime because right now there are about 750 police officers short. And we didn't defund them, but we cut them at the knees. And because of that, there's an increase in crime. I mean, our murder rates are right up there with the big cities. I mean, not as many, but on a frequency of population, we're right up there with Chicago and the rest of them. Why? No consequence. No leniency. Uh... I know two people personally that witnessed uh, an action like this, but a bunch of guys grab a cart full of designer purses, or it could be clothes. It's been done with everything. And they rush right out the door with it, throw it in the back of a van, and drive off. Broad daylight. The store is open. It's not a burglary. It's not a robbery at night in the dark. Broad daylight and they, they get away with it. Uh, somebody got a license number, they told them, call the police. The lady says, I can't call the police until I talk to headquarters or whatever to f find out if I should call the police. Because they're afraid of repercussions. In California, unless it's more than $900 or $950, it's not even considered a crime. So the thieves are going through the aisles and they're loading their cart, but they're careful, they're adding up the prices and careful that they don't go over $950 and they go right out the door with it. Nobody even tries to stop them because they're afraid there'll be repercussions. Store security is told not to try to apprehend somebody that's stealing. What are they there for? Because they're so afraid of repercussions. And I'm telling you, you can't run a country like that. It's going to go to hell in a handbasket if you don't do something about it. No government, including the kingdom of God, would last very long if there is no consequence for those who plan to destroy it or overthrow it. A third of God's angels rebelled against God and were cast out of heaven and are now facing an eternity in hell uh, with no resolution. There's no, uh, there's no way out of it. There's no second chances. Or they're going to they're one day go to hell and spend an eternity there. Why? Because they rebelled against God. They rebelled against his kingdom and they were cast out. A third of God's angels. God, number one, judged them righteously because he's a good leader. And the, the, the penalty or the punishment, if you will, was dealt swiftly.
They were cast out immediately. Lightning, uh, uh, Jesus said that he beheld Satan like lightning fall from heaven. I mean, he left in a hurry. <laughs> that was some boot he got to leave, to leave heaven like lightning. That's how fast he got kicked out of heaven. And nowadays, you can commit a crime today and spend 10 years in jail, appeal after appeal after appeal. It's not going to be so in the kingdom of God when Jesus comes and rules on this earth during the millennial kingdom. A thousand-year reign, Jesus is going to rule here personally, and he's going to rule with an iron fist, and he's going to show everybody how a government should have been run in the first place. Isaiah said the government will rest on his shoulders. He's going to be the government. He's going to be the judge, jury, executioner. Because if he says it, it's true. He don't need any eyewitnesses. He don't need any character witnesses. He don't need a jury to decide. He already knows if you're guilty or not. And he's going to deal with you swiftly. Amen. Not us. We're going to be saints. We're going to be in our eternal bodies. We're going to be working with him. He's going to say, Brother Darrell, there's a mayor in Philadelphia I want you to deal with. <laughs> He's saying, Brother Darrell, deal with that mayor. But judgment is going to be swift, just like it is in heaven. God didn't play around with those angels that rebelled. They were gone in no time. When there are known laws and consequences for disobeying them, but the government is lax and the rulers are weak, the rebels will take over. I can cite you some more cities, but I won't mention any names. They're not being ruled by the leadership. And that's what's happening in most of our country right now. And if we, the righteous, don't push back and we just continue to tolerate it, then we're going to lose our country and we won't be able to blame God for it. How do I push back? Go to school board meetings. Go to city council meetings. Write your senators. Write your congressmen. Make sure your voice is known. Don't just allow things to happen. Object to them. Oh, that won't do any good. If enough people do it, it will do some good. Same thing with the schools. The schools are changing now. I'm telling you, there is curriculum in fifth grade classes that should be classified as porn. And it's available to our children. I mean, explicit pictures of sex. Uh, sex parts how to use them, and there's no, there's no barrier on, you know, who you use it on. I mean, it's not a man and a woman. It's anything. Anything goes up to and including bestiality. That's how perverted it is right now. And if we don't object, that's what they're indoctrinating. That's the poison they're pouring into your little children right now. They used to indoctrinate them in the higher institutes of learning. Now they're starting in kindergarten. Kindergarten. If your child goes through a public education system, they're going to come out at the other end twisted 
with some really wild and crazy ideas about our country, our constitution, our history. I mean, you see it in, in last year's riots. They want to erase history. You don't erase history. You embrace it and you learn from it, whether it's good or bad. Because, I mean, you can't change history by pulling down a statue or ripping a page out of a book. That don't change anything. But they don't want you to see uh, what this country went through, not just world history, but our history, U.S. history. They don't want you to see the price that was paid to, to make us a, a free country. And I'm telling you right now, the United States is the last line of defense before communism, before the one world government takes over completely, because we're the only one that stands in the way. And that's why we're un under such severe attack, because if they can get us out of the way, they'll have their one world government, they'll have their one world religion as well. You watch. This last pandemic, some people call it the pandemic. It was used as a catalyst for the Great Reset. Thank God it's failed, at least in this country so far. But it's, it's thriving real well in countries like Australia, Austria, Germany, uh, the European countries that had a real taste of Hitler. We didn't taste Hitler in this country. We haven't tasted any real war in this country except the Civil War. But these are the countries that it's flourishing in right now. They didn't learn the first time around. <laughs> they want another round. And if, and if they can get us out of the way, there'll be a one-world government. We can't allow it to happen. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. There's a lot of mourning going on in our country right now, and that's the reason. The righteous are not in control. But be encouraged. Be encouraged because our God is not a weak ruler, nor does he represent a weak kingdom or government. He upholds law and order, and he meets out punishment and reward as required. He is going to punish the wicked, trust me. And we are going to win in the end. We're starting to see it now. It's getting stronger and stronger. There is a movement right now. Uh, you know, their great reset or awakening has done something for the church and the righteous. It has got us awakened to some things now. I mean, we have to go through the things we're going through. We had to go through the things we're going through. Otherwise, they would have just continued and continued and continued. And this is something you have to understand. If you ask God to deliver you or set you free from something that's on the inside of you, you have better believe he's going to bring it to the surface to deal with it. It's not going to go quietly. You can't deal with it until it's on the surface and right out in front of you. You need some water, room? I got an extra. You want a cough dry? I got one. All right. Hallelujah. Yep, just ask God to deal with something for you. Bless you.
And he's going to bring it to the surface, and it's going to be ugly. But that's the only way you can deal with it. And that's what he's did with this country. He's brought some ugly things to the surface, but now they're being dealt with. Hallelujah. But see, God deals out his blessings and punishment because he has to show his sovereignty. He's in control of all that stuff. He's in control of judging and, and punishment and, and rewards and sovereignty. And he has to teach us moral responsibility, and that's how he does it. But whether the subjects of the government are holy angels or men, God must demand obedience to all his commandments and laws, and he can't settle for anything less. He can't. He's also obligated to punish as law prescribes or bless as he promised according to the, the uh, blessing of obedience or disobedience. No place under law or grace where man can disobey and be blessed by God. There's no place under the law or under, the great, un, under God's grace where somebody can disobey and not be and, and still be blessed by God. And the contrary, be, he'll, he'll face the results of his disobedience through the curse. And if God failed to punish the sinner just once, then we would lose respect for him as a leader, just like we have lost respect for our leaders and our government today. Stop and think about it a minute. God judged his son for us. And he, he meted out justice on his own son for us. His son paid the price for our sin. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was crucified. He was sent to hell for us. So don't tell me God won't judge you when he's judged his own son for you. And because he judged his son for us, we don't have to be judged. We place ourselves under that judgment through disobedience. So I'm telling you, we better start working on our love walk, and we better start working on it now. And we better start working on our faith uh, and working on our knowledge of the word of God, because that's all we're going to have in the end times. Should God tarry and not rapture us up out of here, you know, when you get to the place where you are sick, now God doesn't want us to even be sick, but we get sick, don't we? That's why he's the Lord that heals us. If he knew we wouldn't get sick, he wouldn't have to be the Lord that heals us. We wouldn't need any healing. He become the Lord that heals us because he knows we're going to get sick. He knows we're going to be disobedient, and he knows the devil's going to be allowed to work the curse in our lives sometimes. Some people more than others, but uh, we all get sick at one time. And when the doctor's giving you everything he knows to give you, and uh, medical science has done everything that he knows, modern technology, they've done everything that they know to get you well, and you're not getting well, what's left? You better have some faith. You better know the word. Amen? And you better execute it. Do that first might prevent a lot of things, and it might even get you well a lot faster. But I'm talking about when you have nothing else to rely on but God, you better know what you're doing. 
Amen? Hallelujah. Our God guarantees justice for the righteous and the, unjust, uh, and the unrighteous alike. Justice for all. Righteous and unrighteous. That gets justice. And you know, when somebody's judged by God, you know, in the end time there, when we're all standing before, well, we won't be standing, but when all the sinners are standing before, all the lost are standing before God's white throne judgment, and he shows them that their name is not written in the book of life, and the angel turns them around and escorts them to the gates of hell, not one person is going to be able to say, I didn't do it. I don't deserve this. Not one person. Every one of them is going to know that God judged them righteously and they deserve to go where he sends them. I hope I can find something happy at the end of this to cheer, <laughs> cheer you all up. <laughs> but God guarantees that justice for all of us. Anything else or anything less would result in a loss of respect for him and the kingdom. There can be no partiality with God and there is no excuse for failure in man either where, where all the provisions God has made for us to remain in obedience. He's given us all the provisions. He made his law clear. He made his commandments clear. And if they're confusing, just remember, I have to walk in love. That's all. Just remember that one. I have to walk in love. It's clear. He made that clear. He said there's one commandment in the New Testament. That's walk in love. If you obey that commandment, all the law is fulfilled. You don't have to worry about any other commandment. Just worry about that one. Just walk in love. And he also gave us his grace. You remember Paul was being harassed by that... Uh, Demon spirit that came to buffet him, a thorn in his side, he called it. He's being buffeted by it, and he's asking God to remove it. And God says, I ain't removing it. He says, you remove it. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you know, grace is not just undeserved blessings or undeserved merit. Grace is also power. And that's what Jesus was telling Paul. He says, my grace, my power is sufficient for you to overcome this thorn in your side. And his grace is designed not to allow us to sin like most people do. Oh, I'm under grace. God knows. God knows I have a need. God forgives me. Uh, he understands. No, he gave you his grace, his power, so that you could overcome sin, not submit to it. So there's, no, there's going to be no excuses. 21 blessings in Deuteronomy for the obedient and he listed 15 curses that will come upon the disobedience. 15 main curses, but there's like 100 results from that, those 15 curses that could come upon us. And we could go over the blessings and the cursings, but it would take too long. But I can sum them up with just a few words. The curses of disobedience basically consist of three main things. And that's sickness, poverty, and spiritual death. If you summed up all the curses, that's what it would boil down to. Sickness, poverty, and spiritual death. That's what the devil uh, exercises against the disobedient. And the blessings would be just the opposite. Sickness, poverty, and spiritual death would be removed 
from the obedient. Removed. We're not, we're not spiritually dead. We were born again. We're alive to God. And we're not subject to poverty and we're not subject to uh, sickness if we obey the commandments. Simple as that. Remember, if there had been no sin, there would be no curse. But Adam sinned, and there's a curse. And when Christ reigns on the earth, there'll be no sickness, no disease. There'll be healing provided. And, and when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, there will never be sickness or disease. Even during the millennial kingdom, there's going to be natural people living here right alongside of the supernatural people, the, the sons and daughters of God who are in born-again uh, new bodies, new creations, and will be ruling and reigning with Christ. But there'll be natural people here living in the flesh, and God is going to provide 12 trees of healing for the nations, and they'll be placed along a river in the Middle East in Jerusalem, and once a year... People from all over the world will have to make a pilgrimage there to eat from the leaves in order to stay healthy and stay alive. So you can't say, I don't feel like going this year. Dead. Have to go. I mean, you have to be obedient or you won't live. You won't, you won't be healed. Now, at the end of that time, be separating the sheep from the goats and uh, the devil's last uprising and everything. And then when we go into eternity in a new heaven and earth, the earth is renewed. The heavens are renewed. Everything of a sinful nature is burned up. So that's all that's left is purity. And then new Jerusalem descends and we live like kings and priests for the rest of eternity. But until then, there has to be provision for sickness and disease and poverty and Spiritual death, and God made that provision for everybody. So God can't lawfully remove the curse until the devil's lease runs out, and that doesn't happen until the end of the church age. Then, like right now, God has to live by the rules of the lease because he, he leased the earth to Adam because he knew Adam was going give to give it away. Adam was going to lose it, so... If he gave Adam the earth as a permanent gift, put him in charge of it permanently, and he gave it to the devil, then the devil would have it permanently because he just transferred the authority of the earth to the devil in the, in the garden. So God, being as smart as he is, he puts Adam on a lease. So the best Adam could do is sublease the earth to the devil but he's subject to the same rules and conditions of Adam's lease. And that lease expires at a certain time, just like your lease on a car or apartment or whatever. When it expires, then the landlord is free of the obligations of the lease, and he can do what he wants. And that's why you're going to see all kinds of things happening in the tribulation period, because God has been loose from the lease, and now he's, he's able to do anything he wants. But right now... He's bound by the laws of that lease, and there's certain things that he can't do, and one of them is lift a curse. This too much for y'all. I mean, I didn't tend to get into all of this. So he can't remove the lease, but it does run out at the end of the church age. The church is raptured, 
Seven years of tribulation on the earth because he owes Israel seven more years of Old Testament time. And that's what it's going to be here. And uh, the Antichrist is going to be ruling. There will be a one world government, a one world religion, the whole nine yards. Let me spend a few, <laughs> few minutes start, uh, talking about my original topic, the Lord that heals. Because I want to talk about overcoming sickness and disease. Uh, but keep in mind, since man caused the curse from which sickness and disease originated from, it causes us to be subject to it. Our Father, would like it or not, He caused it to come upon the earth. And so we're subject to it. That's why God became the Lord that heals us. And in our opening scripture, it said, If that's the condition, you will obey my commandments, etc., then here's the promise. I will allow none of these diseases to come upon thee, which I allowed and brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And the reason given for no sickness on the obedient is that God has become the Lord that heals you. He became that. And he's the healer of his people. And here he's revealed as Jehovah Rapha. When you see the word Lord in the Bible and it's all capitalized, L-O-R-D is all capitalized, then that means there's a covenant name or something behind it. And in this case, it's Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah the healer, or Jehovah the physician. That's why Jesus is the great physician. And he not only proved that he could heal, uh, but he proved that it was his will to heal because when he brought the children of Israel out of the wilderness, even before the covenant, he healed every one of them that he brought out of, of, of Egypt. And the Bible says there was not one feeble amongst them all. Not one feeble. Everyone was healed. The old, the young, the crippled. I mean, they were slaves for over 400 years. They had a lot of things wrong with them. They were malnourished. They had broken bones and uh, bones that didn't heal right and sickness and disease and everything else because of, of the result of slavery. And, and God healed them all coming out of there. Put them under a cloud and for 40 years... Nothing wore out. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Nothing. God is a healer and a provider, and he proved that before Exodus 15, 26. But he promised to heal the sick from all diseases in the future. But you have to meet the conditions that he described in his word. And we already know the conditions set forth in Exodus 15, 26. But let me show you another one. Similar to it in, in Exodus 23, 25, and 26. And we pray this all the time. He says, worship or serve the Lord your God. That's a condition. And his blessing will be on your food and water. And he will take away sickness from among you. And none will miscarry or be barren in your land. He says, I will give you a full span of life. That's pretty good. Worship or serve him. And in order to do that, you have to be obedient. That's the condition. And he'll not only take sickness from our midst, but he'll give us a full span of life. That could be up to 120 years. 
Amen. And everything in between. But healing and the other promises don't come to pass in our lives for two reasons. You ready for this? Two reasons you, the healing uh, or the other promises of God never come to fruition in our life. Number one, we don't obey his commandments. We don't walk in love. Or number two, we fail to understand and appropriate healing or his promises by faith. Faith worketh how? By love. No love, no workable faith. Let's look out another place how we can appropriate the promise of healing in our lives. Proverbs 4, 20 through 24. Very familiar passage of Scripture. It's going to be familiar to all of us. But he says, My son, my daughter, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Attend to my words means to pay attention, take heed, listen to. It means to prick your ears, to hearken. To attend to something means to watch over and be willing to learn. It means to hold on to his words. And that requires meditation. You can read it and get it in your head, but it takes meditation to get it in your heart uh, where faith is produced. So in, actual, in actuality, the, the original language, the Hebrew definition is to incline thine ear unto my sayings. And it means to stretch out, to spread out. Extend, incline, to get close, to bend your ear. In other words, you're hovering over it, and you're bending your ear. This is uh, getting close to the Word and listening. Not listening from afar, but this is getting close and listening. Proverbs 4.20, again, My son, my daughter, tend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. That is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. He didn't say, my son, my daughter, would you please, or if you do, or, any, or may you. Or, he said, my son, my daughter, attend to my words. It's a commandment. So if we listen to and obey all his statutes, his commandments, he said he would not allow any diseases to come upon us. But what if they've already come upon us? That's why he became the Lord that healeth thee. That's why he's the Lord that heals you. And I know you think it sounds complicated, but there's only, like I said, one New Testament commandment, and that's to walk in love. That removes all the complications. Don't, don't even worry about anything else. Just concentrate on your love walk. And then verse 21, he said, Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. So he's not talking about the muscle that's plump, pumping blood to the, uh, your body extremities. He's talking about man's spirit his inner being he's talking about the real you the very center of your being so we're to keep the word in our heart because the heart is where faith is produced he said let them not depart from thine eyes means to not lose sight of them do not turn aside depart or be perverse or uncooperative in other words cooperate with god's word by agreeing with it if, if you don't agree with it, you can't cooperate with it. So uh, cooperate with God's word by agreeing with it and walking it out, obeying it. Then he said, keep them, his words, in the midst of thy heart. And that means 
to hedge about. I could give you the Hebrew words. It's, I couldn't pronounce them and you wouldn't understand them anyway. So I'm just giving you the definition of it. It means to hedge about, to guard, to protect. It means to attend to them within your heart, your inner man, your mind, your will, your soul. Why? What's so important about that? Verse 22 says, For they are life unto those that find them, and health or healing to all their flesh. You know, there's doctrines out there saying that, including Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, where he talks about Jesus' stripes for our healing and everything. They say that was for spiritual healing. No, it wasn't for spiritual healing. This says it plainly right here. It's for our flesh, our physical bodies. Then he says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Verse 24 in the Amplified says it this way. Put away from you false and dishonest speech. And willful and contrary talk put far from you. What is false, dishonest speech or willful and contrary talk? When you talk contrary to God's word, God says this, but you say the opposite. That's contrary talk. He says, stay away from that. Put it far from you. In other words, get in agreement with my word. Don't talk contrary to it. If God says you're healed, don't say you're sick. If God says you're strong, don't say you're weak. Last week, we talked about calling those things which be not as though they were. God says when you're weak, or Paul said when I'm weak, then am I strong. He's calling those things to be not as though they were. The words in Proverbs 4, 20 through 24 are life and health to all who find and obey them. And the Hebrew word that was translated health is also translated in other places as healing, cure, remedy, sound, and wholesome. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. So, verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He didn't say not to doubt in your head. He said your heart. That's where faith is. That's where faith is produced. He said plainly that we must believe in our heart. And the heart is the most important part of man's being because life issues from it. That's why uh, he said to guard your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart. And Brother Hagin taught us that you could have faith in your heart and doubt in your head and your faith will still work. But he said you can never have doubt in your heart and faith in your head and expect it to work. It won't work. It starts out in your head, but meditation gets it in your heart. And that's where it needs to be in order to produce faith. You could be doubting. If you got faith in your heart, but you're doubting in your head. You know, it's like the leper that Jesus healed. He said, Lord, if thou wilt. Now, he didn't have any doubt about Jesus' ability to heal, but he doubted whether or not he would heal him. So in his heart, he knew that Jesus could heal, but in his head, he didn't know if he would heal him. But Jesus said, I will. And when he said, I will, it went from here to here, and he got healed. 
Hallelujah. It's heart faith. So we can clearly see here in verse 22 that physical health and healing are referred to in all these passages. It's not spiritual healing or mental healing or emotional healing. He's talking about healing for all our flesh, which would include, you know, our, our head and our mind and stuff. But it, it's talking about healing to our flesh, not just our spirit. So when we awake to our full redemptive rights in the gospel, then we can have health of body as well as soul. God took care of our spirit. He renewed it. He rebirthed it. We have a brand new spirit, not rebuilt, not reconditioned, not uh, polished up, but brand new. And he gave us a new nature, but he left the flesh and the mind for us to deal with. Just like he had to do Adam and Eve when he cast them from the garden. He said, you know, you're on your own now. But God made provision for everything they needed. He still taught them his word. I mean, how did Cain and Abel know that they were supposed to tithe and bring first fruits to God? Because God taught Adam and Adam taught his children. God never really forsook him. He didn't have the privileges he had in the garden, but God still loved him. Verse 23 tells us, keep our hearts with all diligence and above all, guard the heart from going astray, for out of it are the issues of life. But Jesus taught us in Mark uh, 7, 20 through 23 that other things could issue out of your heart. He said, that which cometh out of the man is what defiles the man, for... From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye. You know, we got to show that to Bella. (laughs) An evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. That's why he said that we have to keep our heart with all diligence and above all, guard it from going astray, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, he's saying don't pollute your heart. How many knows if it's not in there, it can't come out? And how does it get in there? Eyes, ear, and mind. So if we keep our hearts from evil... It makes it so much easier to obey all the other commands in this passage of Scripture. You know, some people say, well, I'm going down the street where the promiscuous lady lives. It's in Proverbs. I can't quote it or remember it word for word. But, you know, he has to walk down the street and hope he can make it past her door. How about this? Don't go down the street. And that's what it's saying here. Don't allow the evil in. You won't have to worry about it defiling you on the way out. I'm telling you, if it's in there, out of the heart, the uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, it's going to come out eventually. Don't let it in there to begin with. Ah. Let me pick out the good parts here. (laughs) Anyway, we read in... Our opening scripture, 15, 20, Exodus 15, 26, where God called himself Jehovah Rapha, the, the Lord that heals thee. And he's basically saying the same thing here in Proverbs. You know, if we obey the, the law, if we obey, obey the, 
uh, which is a condition, then he'll execute the promise on us, which is health to all our flesh, healing to all our flesh. But let me ask you this question. You go to a doctor because you're sick, and he prescribes something for you, and he says, take this uh, twice a day for 10 days, antibiotic. Take this antibiotic twice a day for 10 days. And then maybe the pharmacist will put something on the bottle that says, take with food or take with milk or take on an empty stomach. Do not operate machinery, may cause dizziness, stuff like that. Well, what happens if you don't obey what's on the prescription bottle? What if you don't take your medicine as prescribed? It's probably going to have a consequence. You probably won't get the help that you need from the medicine. Amen? So you're either going to be healed or you're going to suffer a lot longer than you should have. I'm telling you, when the doctor gives me medications, I follow the instructions. I may be hard-headed getting to the doctor, but once I resolve to go in, and he prescribes something for me, Queenie, I'm going to take it. And I'm going to do what he prescribes. Amen? Or don't go to the doctor. Don't bother him. Save your money. A funeral costs a lot more than obeying the doctor, though. So, uh, what did the great physician say? He said, Queenie... If you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and will listen to and obey his commandments and keep his statutes. And disobedience is disobedience, whether it's to God or whether it's to the doctor. If you submit yourself to the doctor, then you're subject to doing what the doctor tells you to do. And if you're disobedient, there's a consequence to that. But that's the prescription. Obey my commandments, keep my statutes. Do what's right. And if you do, here's the promise. I'll not allow any of the diseases upon you which I allowed upon the Egyptians. And since they're already on you, I'm the Lord that heals thee. And he'll heal you. That's why I say get all the help that you can get from the doctors and modern technology, medicine, science. Get all the help that you can get, but put your faith in God. God is the healer. Amen. He's the Lord that heals you. The doctor ain't the Lord that heals you. He helps you with symptoms, relieves pain and stuff like that, but he cannot heal you. Psalms 103, 1 through 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists the benefits in verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. He forgives all your sins. Who healeth all thy diseases. Why? Because he's the Lord that heals you. He heals all your diseases. Some people say, well, that ain't for, for today. Well, if you're going to take that part out of the scripture, take the other part out where he forgives sins. And pay the consequences of that. No, he put them both in the same verse uh, because he's still doing both. He's still forgiving sins and he's still healing all your diseases, not just some of them, all of them. You think COVID is one of them diseases that he heals? I'm living proof. Pastor Rez living proof. How about this? I forget the name of it. It's come from South Africa now. It's another variant. You think that's included here? It says all oh, that diseases. It's already included. 
You know, Isaiah, surely he hath borne our griefs, sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, diseases. He bore them. He carried them. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The stripes were where? In his flesh. This is not just spiritual healing. Your spirit doesn't get healed. It gets rebirthed. It gets completely made new. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. All. Why? So it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, which we just read in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And then 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin, that's a condition, got to be dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And here's the one that I love the most. I, I already mentioned it. But that leper that came to Jesus in Matthew 8, 2. He worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. And that forever settles the question. We know he can heal, but will he heal you? Yes, I will. I searched the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and never found one place where Jesus said concerning healing that he won't. Never, nowhere, healed all that came to him. And uh, he said, I will. And when he said, I will to that leper, he said it to you and I, and he said it for all eternity. He is willing. He's, we know he's able. We know he can do it. But will he do it for us? And the answer is yes, he will. Try to find a place in the Bible where he said, I won't. Go ahead, I'm waiting. Try to find a place in the Bible where somebody came to him for healing and he said, I won't. He healed all that came to him. He was willing to heal all that came to him. And he's the same today as he was then. He did it in person, physically at that time. Now he doesn't. By conveying it through his spirit into the earth. He's, he's still the same. Everything he did then, he does today. Amen? I know I went a little bit over, but I couldn't help myself. Uh, tell Pastor Red I didn't have anything to say about politics. <laughs> Hallelujah. I tell you, I'd love to preach on the one world order and the one world religion that they're trying to impose upon us. I just can't right now. <laughs> Hopefully soon, but praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We praise you for the truth that's in your word, Lord, and how you don't pull punches with us. You're a great leader. Hallelujah. You have a great kingdom and you are a judge of righteousness. And whether we like it or not, Lord, there are conditions that must be met before your blessings are bestowed upon us. And that one condition, that one commandment that we have to obey in the New Testament is to walk in love. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. 
And if we do that, that's the only commandment we have to worry about. So we concentrate on that. Because if we can obey that commandment, that statute, Lord, then we know that you will become the Lord that healeth us. Hallelujah. And if we can obey that commandment, we can walk in your blessings just like any obedient Israelite tried to do in the Old Testament. But your blessings were limited there because their obedience was so limited. They didn't have the help that we have today. They didn't have the grace that we have today. But you've given us everything we need. You gave us the Holy Ghost. You gave us the full written living word of God. And you gave us all of your promises and a new and better covenant. And you gave us grace. Above all, you gave us grace, Lord. And that would help us to overcome anything, Lord. So we come boldly before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in the time of need, Lord. That wonderful throne of grace will give us mercy and give us help when we're sick, when we're lacking, when we need your help for anything. It's always available. It's always there. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, that we don't have to walk in sickness and disease. We don't have to walk in lack. Hallelujah. But we can walk in your blessings simply because we walk in love. So we give you glory and honor. I ask you today, Lord, that everybody in here with a repentant spirit knows in their heart that they haven't been walking in love towards somebody. God, if they just make a commitment to change that right now, that you'll heal them in advance. You'll heal them by credit even, Lord, and they'll leave here healed today. And that thing that's in their body will depart from them right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Healing is for us. It's today. It's God's will. It's his desire to heal us. He became the Lord that heals us because he knew we were going to need healing. And he didn't say we wouldn't get sick. I mean, we can even. He said, you know, no evil will befall you nor plague come nigh your dwelling. Uh, and we can get to that place where it doesn't even touch us. But when it does, we have a Lord that heals us. Amen. God bless you. I love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you Wednesday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.